Hello, and welcome back to the Drawcast, everyone. Uh, it's been some time. Uh, I'm your host, Greg Martin. Uh, thanks so much for logging on and checking us out today. Um, it has been a weird week, and it feels like it's lasted a year. Um, and so <laughs> I know a lot of you out there are um, are dealing with some anxieties. You're dealing with uh, your lives being turned upside down a little bit because uh, structures that you rely on are now... Uh, moved around. And so uh, we wanted to take a few minutes today on, on the show and kind of look at the how the sausage was made from the church side. So many churches have been impacted by this pandemic and uh, the spread of COVID-19 and uh, precautionary measures, uh, specifically with their programming, with their mission, with so many things. So we've got a couple guests today that are going to talk through that. Um, I'll be interested to hear kind of how the the process went. First up today is uh, the senior pastor of Ginghamsburg Church in Dayton, Ohio. Did I get that right, Rachel? That's exactly right. All Way right. Go. We're talking. <laughs> got it all. All right. This is uh, their senior pastor, Rachel Billups. Rachel, thanks for taking a few minutes today. Hey, no problem. You, uh, we were talking, it's Friday late morning, and you've already recorded uh, pre-recorded some stuff for services this weekend. Uh, talk to me about, we'll work backwards. Talk to me about how this particular week unfolded. When was there red flags? When were there special meetings and with elders or whoever else? And then, you know, decisions had to be made and then decisions on top of it. Talk, talk us through what the last five days has been like from your seat. You know, it's been really, really interesting personally, because my entire family has the flu. And so I've been, yeah. And so I've been in bed part of the week and that makes for a very interesting crisis already going into this week and weekend. We had already started prepping uh, last week with uh, uh, just ensuring that we were beefing up the way that we were cleaning all of our kind of all the things that we can do to ensure our church family that we're taking the safest precautions. We had already ordered like communion, the little communion cups so that we wouldn't do intinction anymore. I mean, we're just being pretty proactive about some of the things that we knew we were going to have to do. And we were debating, we have a weekly kind of communication every week that we call the e-news Um, We were saying, hey, depending on how this thing goes, our e-news may need to be all things coronavirus, right? And uh, we weren't sure, but after Monday, it started to get real clear. And and frankly, um, just out of concern for our own people, we began to turn the corner this week pretty early on and said, hey, if our governor comes out and says no mass gatherings, we're going to do something completely different for worship this weekend. We're going to be mindful of our neighbors. We're going to do our part in helping spread this out. Um, because I know a lot of people have this mindset like, hey, I'm healthy or, you know, I, it's not even in our county. Um, but whether we know it's in our county or not, most likely it probably is. And so we wanted to be as proactive and frankly, to be the best neighbor that we could be. And so by, um, by Wednesday, um, actually, I think it was just yesterday when our governor made the final call um, that uh, certainly we're allowed to gather as a religious establishment if we want to. But with thousands of people gathering on a weekend, we just didn't think that that was uh, safe healthy or good stewardship on our part. So we turned direction, uh, made a different. The other thing that we're uh, really attempting to do is not just like, okay, worship is one thing, 
But we have a lot of neighbors, and we're the church. Um, we have these fantastic church partners and churches in the community that really do love our neighbors well. And Ginghamsburg, we've always been a church where we love Jesus and we do something about it. And so already, um, our folk are partnering with school officials and people on the ground to make sure our kids are out for three weeks, that all kids have lunches, that they have breakfast, um, wanting to ensure that we're caring for the most vulnerable around us. Yeah. So in the, I mean, obviously these weren't individual decisions. There's, there's meetings you sit on, there's conference calls you sit on, whatever. whatever. Yeah. Um, is it your estimation? And it's hard to say, you know, where it is on the scale, but because uh, different people are different. Are you finding that the people you're interacting with see this as an annoyance and a hindrance and, uh, you know, like just an upsetting of things? Or is there real anxiety and fear that exists within populations that you're working and serving with about what does this mean and what what could this what could happen from this? Like, where on the scale are the people that you yeah. work with? I want to say both. <laughs> okay. I think, okay. I think you really do see that there are folks who are like, oh, this is way blown out of proportion. I can't believe this. Can you believe that the NBA is quitting their season? I just had a friend that sent me a. They're a big a fan of golf, and some things have been canceled in the golf world. And so, I mean, I think people, there's a little bit of like, oh, my goodness. But I think as more information does come out, people are beginning to say, oh, like it isn't just about like uh, whether or not I'm going to get this virus or not. This is about ensuring that my neighbor doesn't die. And I think yeah. people are getting just I think people's hearts are growing. Now, I say that. While I am getting texted pictures of people in Kroger's and Costco and Walmart yeah. where things are crazy and people are just not being their best human selves. Right. Right. Um, right. Uh, in the message that I um, gave um, that I will be giving over this weekend, I said, friends, share, don't hoard, don't hide, share, share your resources. I mean, this is what Jesus followers do. We've done it for centuries uh, in yep. moments of crisis. Um, we share our resources with one another. And so, um, and so uh, I, I just think that's a really important thing. And I, and I really do believe anxiety is real. Fear is yep. real. Um, but I also believe it's really important for us to recognize as people of faith um, that God held us long before the virus and God's going to continue to hold us in the virus and God's going to continue to hold us long after the virus. Now, that doesn't mean we get to be silly and not wash our hands and not take all these precautions. It just means right. that we have a deep trust that God is with us, even in the middle of the mess. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. All right. So I want to outline, um, and, I, and I'll, this is this might be a little bit of a weird question, but, um, and I'll set it up by saying, I'll ask, I'll ask a question and I'll set up and give you my answer first, which was, what was the uh, tipping point moment where you were like, okay, this has now gotten a little bit weird. Um, for me, yeah. I just, I, I am a, I'm a basketball fan and, you know, <laughs> and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm a very, uh, I'm, I'm too much of a basketball fan, I'll say. And so I follow all of the, the sports writers online. And so there had been talks coming about how the NBA was going to handle this particular uh, crisis and, and what they might do as far back as, you know, late last week. And then Wednesday came and I was sitting down with my wife and we put the Pistons on and, um, all of a sudden there was a tweet that something weird had happened in Oklahoma city. Like the game was literally seconds from tipping off. And then the trainer medical staff, like sprinted on the court, whispered something to the referees. They come off to the side. 
the, the teams go back, all of a sudden, like the people in the stands don't know what's happening. And it turns out one of the players had tested positive for COVID-19. And yeah. I think it was, it was less than a half hour later that uh, news came out on Twitter that the NBA season was suspended after that night, even though the games were still going on. And so there was this weird, like, wait, why are we still playing if it's can't, you know, and even, and that was the same night that Tom Hanks, posted that he and his wife <laughs> were yeah down. and it just that there was a three hours there was like this is i real. this is i will always remember how weird this moment is like was there were there moments like that throughout this week where you were like this is a new kind of weird yeah well let me say remember i told you i had the flu and so i <laughs> yes, i spent right. crazy amounts of time on social media which is never a good thing for persons oh, to no. do when they have the yeah, flu. Oh, no. but i certainly when i started seeing the conversation change from you know people being disturbed because this was a social media over exaggeration until you, exactly as you say ncaa um you know nba as people and organizations yeah, that's Jesus, isn't it? <laughs> I also happen to have a three-year-old with the flu at home. All right, we got a three-person pod now. Okay, <laughs> that's yeah. right. And so, and so, I think uh, that's when I started. Um, I started changing and saying, "Okay, Rachel, this is a thing, and you really need to start thinking about people, uh, communities, neighbors. Um, you got to shift your thinking on this because you know it felt like a distant disease, but it's right here in the forefront." of what's happening in our country. And so I I would agree with you. Um, Mine was probably a little more of like social media trolling. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) That that tipped me off to say, oh, man. And and already, I think that's why I was so um, willing and able to see very clearly that it was time for us to shift gears as a faith community, because already I was feeling the pain and fear of other people. Not that that was scaring me. It certainly wasn't, but it was saying to me, um, this is, we've got to lead and we've got to help our folks uh, understand what's really happening and not, not make light of something that really is going to affect the lives of thousands, millions of people across the globe. For sure. For sure. Yeah. All right, Rachel. Well, you've got, uh, it sounds like you've got uh, patient zero there in your uh, house. Yes. So we're going to, we're going to let you get back to that, but thanks for taking a few minutes and just kind of talking through what this week has been like from a faith leader. And, and uh, of course we're all, we're all praying for each other. And, and I think, yes. uh, I, th- I think your community will, will hear a, a voice of, of calm. And so I'm thankful for your leadership and uh, yeah, we'll look forward to see how we can move forward together in all this. Thank you for having me. Of course. All right, so we're back, and uh, after talking to Rachel, we wanted to get some perspective. Rachel's obviously in Ohio, uh, but I wanted to talk to a pastor here in Michigan. And so on the show today is uh, the campus pastor for North Northridge Church in Brighton. His name uh, is Jeff Black. Jeff, how's it going today? Oh, it's going good, man. I think I'm feeling just like the rest of the world's probably feeling, though. Just a little weird. But, you know, yeah. you're just trying to go about normal life. This week has been like the longest year ever. So, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So um, talk to me. Let's work backwards and talk about this week and, and kind of how everything developed from your end and how it impacted your job and your church and like when decisions were made. Like talk to me about just kind of that process. Well, I think it all kind of uh, started at the end of last week. And our, our senior pastor, uh, Brad Powell, uh, sent a message out to the church 
just about how we were going to, you know, doing things as far as a church, uh, making sure things were cleaned, uh, showing different types of etiquette for greeters, no handshaking, hugs or anything like that. And that, you know, one big one was that we weren't going to pass offering plates and encouraging people to, you know, give online, that kind of. So, you know, it definitely was a, a change, a changing up our services and I think really more of a heads up, wow, something this this could be bigger than we thinking kind of thing, and then really uh, leading into the week, I think up until Wednesday night, everything was kind of touch and go. I, no one really had anything. No one thought anything big was on the horizon. And with Wednesday night into Thursday morning, it, talk about the longest year. I think that I think that was the longest time because when all decisions started being made, while well, we need to have you know, conferences about this, we need to meet with leadership about this, and uh, what are we going to do going forward? So that that's kind of where we where it all started and where it, you know it all you know for lack of a better term i guess hit the fan for us <laughs> yeah yeah i mean I, I think it was wednesday night where uh, uh governor whitmer had the press conference and, and in it she made recommendations and one was you know uh gatherings of 100 or more were they were urging to not have those um yeah and so when i saw that i was like oh now we're now now there's some stuff happening um mm-hmm. So when you got into meetings, was it uh, was was there even any discussion? Because it's not like they were barred; they were just urged not to. Was there ever was there like, hey, do we still try to meet, or like, or was it like, hey, we're not meeting, so what do we do now? Um, I, no, it was definitely like, hey, let's discuss this before we make any decisions. I think everyone had, you know, t- some different views in their minds of what was the best thing to do going forward and how to go about it. And so we really, we, we talked it over as, as leaders and, you know, all of it was really discussed more along the lines of, hey, what, not, not what's the best thing for the church, you know, like, like what's the best thing for, for our, our church or like as an organization, but what's the best? our people how how can we as pastors uh care for the people like you know we're supposed to be we're the shepherds and so we have to protect the 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 flock you know what i mean and and i don't mean to you know put us in place of jesus obviously jesus is the ultimate shepherd but you know we're making decisions and these are going to affect the lives of of the the people in our church and potentially you know health and well-being and so it really came down to that hey we need to we care about our people too much to try to have church and it had nothing to do with fear it had nothing to do with oh let's panic and you know it was definitely uh, hey we don't want to put anybody at risk and this is the best solution because it even came out on the table should we meet this weekend to you know to, to share the news hey here's what we're leaning towards or here's some decisions we're making uh, to you know to try to get people proper communication but even that as we as we really discussed that it was like let's not risk it it's not worth it um it's not worth the risk to try to meet let let's uh, send out a message uh, via uh, facebook live which our, our pastor did uh to, to really communicate in a way face to face but really share his heart with you know why as the senior pastor you know uh, he's making the decision we're making this decision to close the church uh, they enclose our services and ministries. And um, oh, it was a gr- I thought he did a great job of conveying that message. And really, all the response we've received so far has been so positive. People are even saying thank you because they were wrestling with what they should do. You know, if I don't go to church, and my view is I'm fearing, you know, 
fearing the the future and not putting my hope in Jesus. I mean, and there are older folks that were like, we've already made our decision. We're not going, but thank you for, you know, uh, helping us because now we feel better about our decision. So yeah, overall, I, I really, I believe we made the right decision, the right call. And, um, honestly now it's just kind of the, uh, okay, what do we do next and taking next steps as to how we can connect with uh, the, the people of our church, uh, via that- online and that kind of thing. Yeah, so that was what I was going to ask. And so, what what are the uh, the things that are being put in place with Northridge? And just for the listener, Northridge is a, a church of you know four campuses. Am I getting that right? Is there four or is there three? Uh, three three campuses. Uh, Plymouth, three campuses. and Brighton. Yep. That's right. That's right. So you're the pastor of Brighton, and right. obviously there's there's quite a, a reach between those three campuses. So what is in place in terms of like? programming but also like are is are there conversations around outreach and and uh you know kind of what ministry like a new type of ministry looks like yeah um well obviously for the weekend services we're going to offer an online service with live worship you know there'll be a a portion of our of our creative arts team um possibly some volunteers uh, actually leading worship and then and we do all of our services online anyways we've we've offered that before and yeah. so it's kind of a continuation of that, but we are actually looking at creating a larger platform for uh, dynamic interaction during the service. Um, okay. we, we haven't done Facebook Live. It's offered on Facebook Live, but not with an interactive part to it. We haven't done that in a while. And so we're looking to, to, to start that back up tomorrow. And we're still discussing exactly how that happens, but that's really what we're doing. Uh, you know, so our 516 Saturday night service will be online. Uh, Sunday, 9-16 and 11-16. So it'll be live, but then you can also, you know, watch later on uh, if you wanted to. But uh, the idea yeah. of, of it being live and having interaction means that as a, you know, as, as, as the people of our church watch, they can ask questions, talk about things, I don't know, share what they're going through. And then we'll have, you know, potentially pastors and and other staff members there to help answer questions and, you know, th- that kind of thing. And really we're just discussing what that looks like uh, today and then launching it tomorrow. Um, we also are putting together uh, packages for our, our children, um, things that parents can take. Uh, we're currently doing the God project and uh, things that parents can take, you know, while they're watching church, they can be sharing with their kids, you know, Hey kids, here's, you know, here's some of the stuff for you and really share, and stories about Jesus, about God, and the Bible directly to their kids. So um, trying a bunch of different things for the weekend service. So as far as the ministries are concerned, uh, throughout the week, all of the gatherings on campuses are closed uh, You know, right now for the week and, and possibly for the foreseeable future. We're just going to be making decisions as we go. But we're encouraging small groups to continue to meet if they are comfortable. Um, you know, I have several Bible studies that are moving off campus because they still want to meet, and I'm happy for that. You know, uh, several of our men's studies, as well as women's studies, and, and even marriage studies, are just moving into people's houses um, rather than meeting on campus. But all of our, uh, some of our larger gatherings, like our care ministries, which count on Monday, they're, they're having to cancel altogether. But overall, you know, we're just going to be taking the data as it comes in, making decisions about what to do for our weekly ministries. Um, you know, one of the biggest ones that we had going on was our, our kids' choir. Um, it's just something where, you know, hundreds of kids are, are part of kids' choir at all of the different campuses. And literally their production was next Friday. And, you know, we're having to postpone that and, you know, it, it, not cancel it per, per se yet, but definitely postpone it and you would no more rehearsals. So it's definitely shaking people up. 
and and if I'm truly honest, you know, it's one of those where it definitely shakes me up a little bit too. Yeah. So talk to me, and and um, we only got a little bit of time here, but if you can, Sorry, give me that. one anecdote from the last 48 hours of interactions that was the one where you were like, oh, this is definitely a new level of weird. You know what? Actually, yeah, yesterday, uh, Thursday, so I'm leaving the church, and I'm typically off on Fridays anyways, but I'm leaving the church, walking out, and locking the door behind me, and literally thinking like, oh my gosh, like everything's different today. You know what I mean? Like normally we'd be uh, getting ready for services for Saturday, and um, it's, it's not very anecdotal, but I literally, it was like closing the door, almost like leaving, I don't know, uh, leaving college or leaving school or whatever you want to say, something to go on to a yeah. new journey or a new adventure. And it, it definitely felt that way where I, I, I don't know, to me, it was, it was definitely weird, but I think finding that balance of, you know, obviously our hope and our trust is in the Lord. Like I'm not fearful, but it just definitely feels weird. And then, you know, as, as a dad and a husband, you know, how, how do we, encourage our families that schools are closing and all these things are happening and you know how do we continue on with life as as normal but with a different twist i don't know it's definitely one of those things where i'm looking at the future asking god to give us wisdom give us courage and not to not to operate out of fear yeah well jeff i appreciate you sharing your experience and sharing your heart and, and uh in 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 this new level of strange we're uh we're all figuring stuff out together so Thanks for sharing a little perspective. Hey, definitely my pleasure. And obviously our prayers are with uh, our our leaders, our world, and we know God's got us and God's kingdom is not shakable. So we're good. It's a good word. All right, my man, we'll talk to you soon. All Guys, right. we'll, be, we'll be right back uh, with our final word, our final uh, perspective with uh, Central Wesleyan out in Holland, Michigan. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, as promised, we are on our third guest here uh on what is uh really just a sorting out of everything type of podcast uh we're in uncharted te territories and uh one of the people that's dealing with that is the missions pastor at central wesleyan church in holland michigan her name is molly latchaw molly thanks for taking a few minutes to jump on the phone and talk to us a little bit not a problem thanks for having me of course of course so We've already talked to a couple pastors about uh, kind of how the decisions were made uh, with their churches and, and with this uh, global pandemic and, and all the ways that it's impacting their church communities, but their communities at large. You uh, have a little, div little bit different uh, point of view and, and bend on this because you're trying to work on it from a community impact side. So talk to me about when you when this started to get on your radar. Like, when did that happen? And then when did discussions start happening about what you were actually going to do? Um, discussions started quite a while ago um, and largely in the capacity of, hey, this is happening. Should we start canceling our summer mission trip? Should we start uh, canceling travel to some of our international campuses? And our response on that was largely just, hey, everybody, let's wait a hot second. Um, it's only March. Let's just kind of pause things. And then as things progressed into our local area, we started wondering more about the kids in our community if schools closed. Um, the school that we partner with currently is at about an 80% free and reduced lunch rate. And so knowing that those kids are going to be very food insecure for the next several weeks if we close, um, 
is something we really wanted to focus on um, right, just really Im- immediately right away. And then a more on a long-term scale, we wanted to be prepared for the number of families in our community, whether they go to Central or not, um, who are going to be cut back on hours and questioning if they're going to be able to pay the rent, put food on the table, pay their light bill, those kinds of things. So really locally, we're responding on a, a very immediate, urgent capacity. And then on a gl- more global scale, we're kind of on a little bit of a pause as far as, hey, where where can we really make an impact um, regionally and, and globally? But local right now is kind of our... <laughs> Our more urgent need. So, um, uh, and I'll go into a little more detail on that in a second, but talk to me about the actual timeline. So you said when you say you've been looking at, um, you know, worldwide, global, yeah. uh, that's been what, in the middle of February, uh, you yeah. started to have those conversations? Uh, yeah, I'd say around then, um, just, hey, how is this going to impact the, you know, trips, travel, those kinds of things. We started having those conversations. Um, okay. But yeah, probably mid-February, that's a good timeline yep and then and then locally when did that start to become a uh we started asking those questions i would say in the last few weeks and then um very very seriously and very very urgently in the last week if that yeah this, helps you at all. This, yeah no this this last week it it definitely felt like there was a tipping point where people went <laughs> from let's be careful to okay you know, careful is not good enough. <laughs> yes. Um, so I want to um, talk to you about, uh, so I've been in discussions with an, um, an organization called World Vision that I think you're familiar <laughs> with. Yep. Um, and he, they were talking about how, um, they said a couple of other team are, are going to work this weekend on a plan for some type of low touch, low contact distribution plan that can yep. be replicated. Um, so that's the first I've heard that kind of terminology for trying to, uh, care for, uh, people, maybe low income. Um, so what does that look like? Like if you've had those conversations, can you go into a little more detail on what that might look like in, in trying to serve the community? Uh, about how we would implement here, you mean? Yeah. How would you implement implement just the low, low touch, low contact? Like in my head, when I think of distributing things after disaster, I mean, I lose track of how many people touch the bucket from the shelf to the assembly <laughs> yeah. to the tray, you know, so like, what does that look like uh, on a local scale? Yeah, uh, it would be more than likely for us and what we'll probably end up doing. Um, the school districts here are talking about still being able to deliver lunches um, and potentially breakfast to kids at their homes if they're on the free and reduced lunch Um Line. We don't know if that's actually going to happen or not. So what we would probably do is have our volunteers offer to be drivers in those situations, pack up bags of food to go along with their lunches so that they can have um, dinners and uh, you know snacks in between meals and those kinds of things available at home. Okay. Uh, so it would be as much as possible going along with the systems that are already in place so that we're uh, minimizing those touches and minimizing those contacts. We've also talked about working with other churches where we would uh, have volunteers fill bags of food in uh, in our facilities, in our, in our buildings, uh, with very few volunteers doing that, uh, and then having central distribution sites at local parks and all of that 
um, where we can just hand out a bag of food and have minimal contact with people. Gotcha. Yeah. The, it, any type of large distribution gets, uh, throws a wrench when you also have to add social distancing with it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yes. um, though that logistic, I was like, man, I, I don't even know where that might start. So, um, yeah. Are, so in those conversations you've had, I'm sure on your team at the church and then with the school, what, um, what has the school told you about this whole process? Are they just, yes, 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 yes. Or are there, <laughs> Uh, other parameters that they're interjecting as you guys are like, let's try to help these people out. Are they saying yes, but. Um, not a lot right now. Um, the benefit that we have is our relationships with our schools here locally goes back about 20 years. So there's already lines of communication that are open. There's already, um, you know, we're already texting with the Ottawa County coordinators that are in the schools and able to say, hey, listen, we can help here. We already know where our boundary lines are with them and where we can and can't help. So that's been a huge help for us in speeding up that process. Uh, so we're already reaching out to them saying, listen, if you know of a family that is struggling financially, please like, think of us. Let us know how we can help. Um, yeah, so they aren't telling us no, but a lot of that is because we already have a relationship there and we already know where the no's are, if that makes any sense. <laughs> you're, you're, you're walking the landmine. Yeah. Uh, I no's mean, we, and we know where the landmines are already. Um, and as long as we're attempting to follow their rules as much as possible, the schools are opening the doors wide open to us. Um, okay. And, and they, you know, we've had a long track record with them. So we, they know that if we step on a landmine, it's an accident and not us with an agenda. Gotcha. Well, that's great. That's why you do the long-term work that you do. So that way in a moment like this, uh, line yeah. communications are open, there's trust and you know, the need specifically and not just a general, Hey, we should help, you know, what yeah. help looks like. So, yeah. um, I'm thankful that uh, Central is, is mobilized and is, is having these conversations. And, and I appreciate you coming on and shedding a little light on uh, what some of the local churches are doing in the middle of this pandemic. And uh, we'll keep you in thoughts and prayers. And, and if people want to help out, um, they know where to find Central Wesleyan in Holland. It's pretty easy to find on any website or, or Facebook or anything like that. But Molly, thank you for joining us. And thanks for all your work. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having us. And we'll talk to you more soon. Sounds great. All right, guys, that'll be it for our show. Uh, thanks for checking this out. Uh, we just want to reiterate and uh, join the chorus of voices that is saying, please be cautious. Keep your space. If we work together, if we do this together, we can uh, eliminate the spread of this disease. There's a lot of unknowns, but we know that uh, working together is better than fighting. So let's be together. Let's do this thing together. And uh, let's get our, our world back in a place where we are uh, moving forward. Everybody be safe out there. Have a great week. Mm -hmm.